we talked about uh, two enemies of the church. One we talked about last week was the world. Two enemies of the church. And uh, I want to go a little bit further into that here this morning. We talked about how that the world was the enemy of the church. And the scriptures in the Bible, we gave you a number of scriptures about how the Bible teaches us to not get involved in the world. The church should stay removed from the world. That the world is not a friend of God, but is an enemy of the Lord. We explain how that that Israel coming out of Egypt was a type of the church coming out of the world. And you've got to just come away from it. And it doesn't mean we leave it literally and physically like Israel did. Because that was given to us as an example. We do those same things spiritually. We leave the world spiritually. The world has a spirit about it. There's a spirit about it. And we quoted that scripture finally, wrapped it up with it, with uh, 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 15 and 16. Uh, if you could have that on the board here for us. I don't know which one of these are working here for the overhead scriptures. But 1 John uh, 15, uh, 2 and 15, and it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. These are of the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And then the 17th verse is sort of a wrap-up of it. This is, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So what I've done here is just sort of give you a little wrap-up here of what we talked about last week, how that the Lord would have the world, the church to stay out of the world. Now today... I want to go a little bit further than that because I want to talk to you about uh, the second enemy of the church. Not the, but a second enemy. I think there's more than just one. And I'm going to put this uh, map up here to show you where we are looking at it. Okay, I've got I think Matt said that one. Uh, let me give you focus here. Focus. Did everybody see that map? Yes, sir. Yes. All right. This part down in here is not picking up. This is Saudi Arabia down in here. And anyhow, this is a map of the uh, Middle East in, in, uh, in essence here. And I want to show you this. I showed this last week in closing. <coughs> and uh, here is uh, Jerusalem. This is Palestine, Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, the Dead Sea. And this whole area here is Palestine right in through here. It's very small in, in the Middle East in that fashion. This is Egypt over here, the Nile River, and it branches off here. They dug the Suez Canal in through here and brought it on down into this and took a shortcut through the Mediterranean Sea into the Indian Ocean and so forth. Uh, this is Egypt, and when the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, he brought them out of here, down in through the wilderness here, down to Mount Sinai and back on up in here and into Canaan's land. Now, when he brought them, finally brought them in and everything, they lived for about 400 years in Canaan's land. They had ups and downs. They failed God at times. God would forgive them. And they'd send, he'd send judges and prophets and so forth to help them, to straighten them out and along the way. But eventually, 
Israel was divided after Solomon died between Israel was divided into two nations. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And in time, because of their sins and transgressions against God, God gave them over to be conquered by a foreign power. The northern kingdom was first conquered in 721 B.C. by the, uh, by the Assyrians, their capital city being Nineveh, way over here. I mean, I have a reason to tell you this. And then the southern kingdom was called Judah. The northern was called Israel, the southern was called Judah. And Judah was conquered by the Babylonians, which, were, uh, which is over here, Babylon. They came over and conquered Judah in 588 B.C., first 606 B.C., and then again around 599 B.C., and then 588 B.C., and so forth. And they took the children of Israel, again, captives. They took them, many of them over here and uh, over here to, to Babylon. And that group was people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Uh, there was uh, Esther's uncle, uh, and so forth. And they were taken over here. And so these Jews were scattered all over the place, all over here. And, in, and it's, in some 70 years later, the uh, king of Persia, who had conquered the Babylonians, told the Jews they could go back and reestablish themselves as a nation, build their temple, and they did. Now, the reason I'm telling you all of that is because of these Jews were all scattered. Now, here's what the Bible tells us as an example. Just as the Lord brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. They never went back to Egypt. They never went back to Egypt, but they were taken into captivity by these heathen nations, the Ninevites and the Babylonians. Now, what they were introduced in the Babylonians and the Ninevites, by the Ninevites and the Babylonians was pagan religions. And they, were, they, be, they began to fall into that. And there was a God of the Babylonians called Bel, B-E-L. That's the same God as it's called B-A-A-L, Baal, uh, in which uh, the, the Jews were tempted of that over here. Some of these uh, Canaanite people over here that the Jews shun and stayed away from, they, they worship Baal. Uh, Baal was the God of fruitility. Uh, if you worship Baal and you was a farmer, you'd, you'd have lots of cows and goats and chickens and so forth. Uh, a lot of women worshiped Baal because they wanted children. And if they didn't, couldn't have children, didn't have children, they'd worship Baal and do all and They did many crazy things that even sacrificed their own children to, to, the, to fires and things. Uh, I won't get into all that, but it was a terrible religion that they got. So when they went to Baal over here, this is why Daniel took a such a stand as he did. And he would not eat at the king's table. He would not... Uh, eat the same foods. He did not do the same things they did. He prayed three times a day uh, when he prayed. All of these kind of things to show that he was going to stay fast, stick fast to his religious faith. Now, the reason I'm bringing that out to you here is that we, though we have, as the church, have been delivered from the world, we can be sucked off into strange doctrines and strange beliefs, false religions, we can follow up with false prophets. This is what another one of the enemies of the church, even though we may come out of the world and may not go back in the world, if we are not careful, we can go into strange doctrines. Praise the Lord. Now, let me just talk to you a little bit about some things here. 
uh, I want to just show you here that the Lord wants us to understand here that he wants us to be saved and he doesn't want us to be lost. And there is a plan of salvation and how to walk with God and how to serve the Lord. Now, I want to just quote some scripture here. And if they want to put it on the board here, maybe that'll help us here. But first of all, Acts chapter two and one through four is where they first received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, that's why we are called Pentecostal. The word Pentecost means 50. It means 50 days after the Passover. And it was a feast day of the Jewish people. So the day of Pentecost was a feast day of the Jews. And it says when it was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Verse 3. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and set upon each of them. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. This is that early church. The first thing that happened uh, when the Holy Ghost came and began and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they were speaking in other tongues. Now, if that was the only place in the Bible that it happened, you could say, well, that was just a phenomenal experience by that very first initial outpouring of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But that's not the only place that it happened. Uh, like, for instance, if you go to uh, Acts chapter 10, these were the first Gentiles that were saved. And uh, I think it's verse 24, if I can pick up along uh, Acts uh, 10, 24, uh, we'll pick it up there. And the Mar, after they entered in Caesarea, Cornelius uh, waited for them. Uh, 44, I'm sorry, 44. I'm losing, I'm losing my memory. Huh? Uh, 1044, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. Now he was preaching to the household of Cornelius, who was a Gentile. He was a centurion, the army, army guy of the Roman army. And he was, a, he was an Italian. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, which was Cornelius and all of his household, all of his family, relatives, cousins, uncles, aunts, all of them. Go ahead, the next verse. And they of the circumcision, that is the Jews that were with Peter, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, how do they know they received the Holy Ghost? Here's the next, here's the answer. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, and he goes on to say, can any man forbid water? And then he baptizes them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in fact, we can re- go ahead and read that verse. I didn't read a part about Jesus named baptism. 48, 47, 48. Can any man forbid water? These shall not be baptized, which have, been baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. Verse 48. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry him certain days. So he baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, that was, that was in agreement with what Peter had done on the day of Pentecost when those people had received the Holy Ghost. And he baptized them. Verse 38. He baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is uh, Acts 2.38. I don't, won't take you back there or anything. But I'm just showing you here that this was what they preached. Now, on the day of Pentecost, when they received the Holy Ghost, Peter stood up with the 11. They all stood together, 12 apostles. 12 apostles. Judas Iscariot had died. They had replaced him with another apostle by casting lots and so forth. So now they had 12. 
he stood up with the 11. So Peter stood there. They all were in agreement. Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This promise is unto you and your children, and to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I'm quoting here Acts 2, 38 and 39. You well know that. And that's why I'm not having you look in the scriptures and all, because I think you pretty well know these things. But I'm showing you here that Acts chapter 2 and 1 through 4 is about the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 and 39 is all about them being baptized in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 10 here was all about uh, the, uh, uh, about Cornelius and his household, first Gentiles, that they received the Holy Ghost and then they were baptized in Jesus' name. And then I'll take you over to, uh, uh, over to uh, Acts 19. Acts 19, and if you look with me in verse 1, this is where Peter went to Caesarea. Uh, I say Caesarea, I went to Ephesus, I'm sorry. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, now the others were with Peter. This is Paul now. Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, verse 2. He said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Notice here that it was important that they receive the Holy Ghost after they believed. Do you see that? So it's not enough just to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost is also necessary as well. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And Paul said, what? You haven't heard there's no, that there's no Holy Ghost? Now look at the next verse, verse four. He said unto them, what then were you baptized? And they said unto him, unto John's baptism. John the Baptist, what they're talking about, which was the baptism of repentance that was being done before Jesus began his ministry. All right. Oh, now you understand. Then said Paul, Paul verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people, they should believe on him which should come after him. That is on the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse five. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord, of, of, of the Lord Jesus so here you got another verse of scripture about Jesus' name. So Paul preached this gospel about Jesus' name, baptism. Now, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 6, now it didn't end there. When Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Prophesied means they, they spoke with anointing. It doesn't mean they foretell the future. It's in, this, in these cases, New Testament. Um, that's the gift of preaching, you might say. It's anointing preaching. That's why when you see, hear people give tongues, interpretation in the church, it's always anointed. It's anointed. That's that spirit of prophecy that comes with those things. I won't get into all that. But I'm just pointing out to you here that these were some of the things they told us and told us about. Now, if you go to Galatians chapter 1, verse 9, Galatians 9, this is where Paul talks a little bit about, uh, about anybody else preaching any other gospel than that that he preached, which was in Acts chapter 19, 1. As we said before, so say I now again, uh, look at verse 8. Go to verse 8 first. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. Anybody else preaches anything else to you? Jesus name baptism and, uh, and receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. Everybody get the message here? Let him be accursed. Now look at verse nine. And he repeats that. As we said before, so say I now again, 
If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that we, ye have received, let him be accursed. So I'm pointing out to you here that this was the apostles' doctrine. And this was very important. Peter preached it. He stood up with the 11. They all agreed with that. Paul preached it. Praise the Lord. Peter was the main, the main apostle to the uh, Jews. Paul was the main gospel or preacher to the uh, Gentiles. And he states himself to be such and so forth. Now, along the way also, uh, the early church continued to teach these truths. They kept on. This was the apostles' doctrine. Now, look in Acts 2.42. Very quickly with me. Acts 2.42. I appreciate those folks up there. They're pretty, pretty good on that stuff. And they continue steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. This is after the church first got started and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. You understand what the apostles' doctrine was? Repentance, being baptized in Jesus' name, being filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That was it. Now, let me give you another verse. Look at Ephesians 2 and verse 19. Look at 2, 19, and, and we'll read 20 also. Ephesians 2, 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. This is Paul writing to the Ephesians who were Gentiles now. And with the saints and of the household of God, verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The foundation of the apostle Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So what I'm pointing out to you here is that they were steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. They stayed consistent to that. They never deviated from that. So the early church, when it was established, and when you go to the book of, and, and, there, and there's other verses of scripture about Jesus' name, baptism. You know, like uh, Philip went to, to uh, Caesarea, the eighth chapter of the book of Acts. I didn't, didn't mention that one to you. But he goes there and he finds all these people of, uh, of, of, uh, of this uh, city of, I said Caesarea, Samaria. And he baptized them in Jesus' name. Baptized the whole city in Jesus' name. And so this is the eighth chapter of the book of, uh, of, of Acts as well. So he baptizes them. And then when John and James went up there, they prayed for them and they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So here you've got four scriptures in the book of Acts. that talks about this early church, how they were all baptized in Jesus' name. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, three of them confirmed they spoke with other tongues. And then over in the 12th chapter, the 14th chapters here of 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about speaking in tongues extensively and so forth. Now, I won't get any more into that, only to say this was the apostles' doctrine. And it was solid and sure. And so the church was built upon that. Now, we've been called out of the world, Right. And we've got the apostles' doctrine and salvation, how to live for God, how to walk with God. And then he gives us many other scriptures in the epistles. You know, like the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, how we should love one another and how we should love God and how we should act. This is what the epistles are all about. They are letters written to the church. The epistle means letters. And they were letters written to the early church saying, this is how you live for God. This is how you serve the Lord. This is how you walk with God. This is how you keep the faith. And he goes on and on in detail about all these kind of things. He deals with little problems they had there. And, and, and in doing that, he lets us know these were situations that we may face today. And so how we get through it and how we serve God. But 
It's possible, just like Israel fell away from the truth and they were led away captive over here into these other uh, false empires and so forth that put them in captivity. It's possible that any one of us can fall away for what God has given us. And the Lord doesn't want the church to fall away and he doesn't want you as I as individuals to fall away from the truth. Now, there were warnings that Paul gave and uh, Jesus warned us about it. I want you to look at Matthew 24, 45 for just a moment here. Matthew 24, 45. And uh, you see here. This is uh, 24, uh, 4. Look at 24, 4 with us. Matthew 24, 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Verse 11, and many false prophets, verse 11, I'm jumping there very quickly, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. So Jesus gave them a warning that there's going to come a lot of this kind of stuff and they're going to deceive many people. Verse 5 also, the 4 5, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. I am Christ. I am Messiah. That's what they mean. And folks, for 2,000 years, this has happened all along the way. People have tried to deceive me. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, I can't remember how long it's been. It's been 20 years ago or so, longer. But uh, my son was still single at the time. And uh, Tom Bush was here. And we had an invitation to go to Korea with all expenses paid. And uh, there was eight of us, some from down South Florida. And we, so they said, you know, Dad, should we go? And I was cautious about it, but I thought, well, it's okay. Who's, who's paying for it? And they said the Moonies, the Moonies, the Unification Church is paying for it. I said, oh, really? Yeah. Well, for sure I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm the unit. Yeah, you guys are not going by that. I'm going to go. Now we got on a plane. They paid all our fare. I think it's, we got to pay about three hundred dollars, and that was about it. They t- sent us over there for a week, put us in the finest hotel, and fed us first class, and paid our plane fare over there and back. And we didn't have to pay anything. And of course, it was a great shopping experience over there because they got all the clothes and stuff. Korea's a great place. Seoul, Korea is a great place to go do all that stuff. Well, anyhow, so here we are. We booked off over there, you know. Well, these moonies, if, I don't know if you know about it, but it used to be back uh, in the 70s and so forth, there was, especially in California, there was these girls, especially, that were selling flowers always on the corner. How many of you older people, maybe? You're showing your age. How many of you just remember? Put your hand way up. You don't. Okay, yeah, I see a lot of hands. But they used to sell flowers. They were moonies. Now, they were American girls and guys, I guess, too. I never just seen a guy, but the girls were doing. And they were selling these flowers and raising money for the moonies. And they were raising money for them to be able to support us to go over there because they wanted to convert us. And that's why I went. I said, nobody's going to convert nobody not while I'm there. <laughs> you know? So, so I, I, we flew over there and they put us in. 
Hey, when we stepped off the plane, oh my, there was a crowd to meet us. They were so, they rolled out the red carpet. Oh, they treated us like we were kings and queens. And they put, it took us to the hotel, gave us the finest kind of a set up there. And, uh, and, and, and we ate in the dining room, no cost. And then we went to their meetings, you know, and everything. They started pumping that stuff and talking and they're going to show us all around Korea and everything. And everything, and you know what it all boiled down to is that Sun Myung Moon, who was, that's why they call him Moon, the moon is Sun Myung Myung Moon, who was the, the guy that was in charge of it all. He's a very rich man and everything. He was the head of it. He claimed himself to be the Messiah. And he said Jesus fumbled a ball because Jesus never married. So Jesus fumbled a ball. He was meant to be the Messiah, but he was not the Messiah, but he was the Messiah. So he presented himself as the Messiah and everything. And they even want to take us to the house where he was born and here's the house where he lived in and here's where he played. All that kind of stuff like you'd go to Jerusalem, you know, and see where Jesus was born and all that kind of stuff. He just played all that stuff. The guy was a multi, multi, but he's dead now, of course. But he believed in these marriages and he had these people. And there was one guy there that was one of their spokesperson that had been a back, was a backslidden Trinity Pentecostal preacher out of Michigan. He had been a, his mother had been a pastor of a Pentecostal church and everything. And he was a spokesperson for them. And I just had it one day in that meeting where there's 150 people in there. I stood up and I said, I said, Leon, you are a, you're a hypocrite. You're a pure hypocrite. I said, you know the truth. You had the Holy Ghost in you. And I said, you are promoting this kind of stuff. And I'm in Korea and they're in their auditorium now. And I just blasted him away, you know. And he said, let's all stand and sing. Let's sing. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. I said, you can sing all the peace you want to. But I said, this is false doctrine, you know. And I just took a stand against him. Everybody in our crowd got a little bit shook up because they said, Maybe they won't give us our passports back. Maybe how are we going to get back? <laughs> I said, if they don't, if they don't, if they don't, if they don't, if they, don't uh, they won't pay us back. I said, I'll pay for all of us to get back. Don't worry about that. But they did. They let us go and come back. But what I'm just trying to say here is that this is just one guy. There's all kinds of false prophets and false prophets will promote themselves. And that's where a lot of this false religion and stuff has come around. It all started, you know, uh, I have sort of made it a point not to talk against any religion or any faith in the pulpit here. I just leave it up to you here. But there are some things that are so very obvious, they, they're false. And, and uh, nobody should ever wander off into those kind of things, you know. Uh, I had a friend one time that said to me, uh, Brother Myers, I found out why we're not growing. I said, wait a minute. What do you mean we're not growing? We're growing. Well, he's, I guess I'm referring to my own church. I found out why I'm not growing. Why? And he said, because we're not baptizing right. I said, what do you mean we're not baptizing right? He said, we're baptizing in the name of Jesus and we should be baptizing in the name of Yahshua. And I knew exactly what it's all about. I said, you mean, you mean the Hebrew name for Jesus, Yahshua, or it can be Jehoshua. You know, J or Y, it's interchangeable, Yahashua. I said, that's the old Hebrew word in the New Testament. They did not speak Hebrew. In the New Testament, they spoke uh, Aramaic. 
which was the New Testament language. Jesus and his disciples and his teachings all were done in the language of Aramaic, which was a conglomerate of, of Hebrew, Babylonish, Persian, all mixed in together. Sort of like the Yiddish that they have in America, which is the, the, the Jewish Hebrew mixed with Polish, German, <laughs> English, and you put it all together, they call it Yiddish. Well, that's pretty well the way the New Testament was. So to say that we got to baptize in Yahushua, Peter didn't stand up and say, you got to be baptized in the name of Yahushua. He said the name of Jesus because that was the New Testament language. And, and I know it can be pronounced differently, maybe in one language or another, just like in, 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 uh, the name Jesus is pronounced in uh, the, the Spanish language. Uh, was it? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. It's just pronounced differently. But what I'm pointing out to you here to go back to that, well, he went back to that and tried to do it and tried to change everything. He went off in the false doctrine, finally lost his church, lost his soul, lost out with God. So what I'm just trying to say here to you folks, don't follow after false doctrines and false beliefs and so forth. And that's what happened to the early church. The early church fell away. The early church that was built on that foundation of Peter and Paul and all of the other apostles, little by little as the apostles all died, or most of them were all martyred except John. He wrote the book of Revelation, died of old age. <coughs> and then finally there was the church leaders that came up behind them, and then behind them other church leaders, and then behind them other church leaders. And after about two or three generations, and they had gone, gone into about the third century, uh, they began to have people that came on board that began to be leaders of the church who were men who had adopted the old Greek philosophies into their lifestyle. Some of them came out of Greek philosophy. They, they believed in Socrates and Aristotle and Aristobulus and, and, uh, and, and, so, and so Plato and all those things. And they adopted some of those beliefs and tried to incorporate them. Some of them even stated that they believed that some of that was just as spiritual or just as divine as the prophets of the Old Testament were to the Jewish people. And so they began to adopt these things. And little by little, the church fell away. Now, I want you to go with me here, if you would, to Acts chapter 20. And let me show you what Paul had said. He warned the church that these signs were coming. Paul tw uh, chapter 20. And uh, I'm reading here in uh, verse 29. This is Paul writing here, chapter 20, verse 29. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves or after them. So he warned them that these signs were coming. You have to be aware of it and it's going to come our way. And that these things are coming down the pike. And uh, so he began to warn the early church. He also spoke of it in Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. 1 Timothy 4, 1. All right. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. And doctrines of devils. Boy, they don't mince no words, do they? Those apostles didn't. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. I'm just trying to show you here how that they begin to warn. <coughs> that 
earth that there was coming some bad situation. John, John in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Beloved, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And he's trying to tell them that you've got to be careful and you've got to be on top of these things. And in 2 John, this is the epistle next to 1 John, and it, has, it only has one chapter, so it's just verse 7. 2 John, verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. <clears throat> this is a deceiver and an antichrist. So those are pretty strong words. I'm looking here at Jude, which is, uh, there's 2 John, then there's, Third John, which is also just one chapter, and then Jude, which is just one chapter. And in verse 4 in Jude, For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, in uh, that 16th verse of Jude, I'll just read this and finish it up. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts and their mouths, speaking great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage and so forth. Now, I won't go any further with that, only to say here to us that you and I should understand here that the world that we live in, there's going to be false prophets, there'll be false teachers, there'll be false doctrines, false prophets bring on false doctrines, and where there are false prophets, they bring on false doctrines and false religions and false beliefs. And so you and I have to be solid and we have to be in the faith. We have to be sure and established very securely in the Lord so that we ourselves do not fall away or fall after these kind of things. Amen. Uh, one other scripture. I want you to look at Matthew 7 with me for a moment. Look at Matthew 7. Uh, I think it's, yes, Matthew seven fifteen. I read the 24th chapter to you a while ago. This is Matthew 17, 15, verse 15 and 16. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. Notice that. But outwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Now, that's interesting. You'll know them by their fruit. You'll know how, what they do, what they act, how they act, what they really are. Now, look at verse 20. Wherefore, by them, uh, sorry, pardon me, by their fruits, ye shall know them. Notice that. Therefore, by their fruits, ye shall know them. What they do, what they act, how they carry on, they're sly, they're sneaky. It's just like those moonies. They would really smooth with us for a while. After a while, though, they started pushing their beliefs. And whenever they finally realized we were on to them and we weren't buying into it, they got mean with us about it. They got really nasty. All that red carpet stuff and all that huggy-huggy stuff and all that, that mean nothing with them anymore. They were wanting us out of the crowd. They just wanted us to be ostracized. And so I'm just trying to tell you here <clears throat> that that spirit is there. And it will absolutely cause you and I to fall away from the Lord. So folks, hold fast to the word. Let me say this. Second Corinthians 13, one says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. That's why in the Bible, the things are not just said one time. They're said again. 
You ever read about the children of Israel going through the Red Sea? Man, it says it over and over. It says it, it'll say it one verse, the next verse, it repeats the whole thing over again. And then you go to the next chapter, it'll repeat the whole thing over again. That's so that nobody can take it and say, oh, it never happened or it meant something else. I've read where they said that what happened was the tide went out and they walked across on dry land. Uh-uh. The Bible says it was a wall on their right hand and a wall on their left hand. You don't have the tide going out and there's a wall on your right hand. You want you to say what I'm saying? So the Bible says things sometimes repeatedly and in a different way so that we are beyond a shadow of a doubt. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the kids didn't go along and just run their finger through the water on the side of the wall. <laughs> just like you do in the water below. I don't know. I just, I don't know. Or whether it was just solid like a concrete wall. I have no idea. But I'm just trying to say here that the Bible says that so they say, well, the tide just went out way out and there was a strip of dry ground across the top, you know. And what? And he just came in and rushed up on those soldiers and drowned them all that easily when they were in chariots? I don't think so. I don't think the tide's that up. I don't think there's that big of a tide. Anyhow, they were saying that's the way it happened because they don't want to believe in miracles. But God is a God of miracles. He's a God that can do anything, any kind of way that he wants to do it. Uh, I want to just mention to you, when I was uh, pastoring in Port St. Joe many years ago, uh, I went into the chief of police office. He was one of my, uh, one of my, uh, uh, I was an insurance agent and I'd collect insurance around the city and he was one of my uh, customers. I went in there and everything. He said, preacher, sit down. I sat down. He said, I want to show you something. So he passed a $10 bill across to me. He said, look at this $10 bill. I looked at it and said, yeah, it looks good to me. I said, is this what you're going to pay your insurance with today? Nope. He said, that's counterfeit. That's a counterfeit $10 bill. I said, really? Can you see why it's counterfeit? I looked at it, looked at it, and I said, no, it looks good to me, as far as I'm concerned. And then he showed me some things about it, and we took it down. Then I went on my way. A few days later, I was at a bank up in Wee Wall, Hitchcock, a little town north of Port St. Joe. And, and I was in there talking to the, uh, one of the, the ladies in there. And I said, the chief showed me down in Port St. Joe, you showed me this counterfeit $10 bill. You ever get many counterfeits? She said, yeah, we get them occasionally. And I said, how do you tell the difference? How do you know there's all kinds of different counterfeits? One guy make counterfeit, another makes a counterfeit. And how do you know the counterfeit? And she says, there's one key in how we know a counterfeit. She says, you study the real thing. And you know the real thing. And if you know the real $20 bill, Back then, 20 was like a 50 today, if you probably, or maybe more than that. Unless, but anyhow, he said, if you, if you know a real $20 bill or a $10 bill, he says, whenever you look at a counterfeit, you can spot it because there's certain things you look for. And if it's not the way it should be, it's counterfeit. But you study the real. Now, folks, if you don't ever want to be deceived, stay with the book. This is the key right here. Stay in the book, stay knowledgeable of the book, read the word of God. The word will never fail you, never fail you. It is powerful. There are many false doctrines out here. That story is now about people in outer space. They're going to come visit us one day. You know, all that garbage. I don't no more believe that than a hill of being. But young people will grow up believing that because they've seen it, it's been pumped out to them and so forth. 
You know, the, the, the world's going to be destroyed by an ice age. It'll be destroyed when God says it's over with. Not until then. I'm just serious. I mean, we could have, we're going to have, you know, tidal waves and we'll have earthquakes and the Bible's prophesied all those things in the last days. We'll have those kind of things. But as far as some big calamity building up, you know, and it's going to just wipe us all out like it did the dinosaurs and all that stuff. You know, uh, I'm just trying to say, stay with the word. Praise the Lord and believe the word. And I'm telling you, if you will, one day we'll walk streets of gold. And Jesus, praise the Lord, went away and said, if I go away, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Amen. And the Lord's coming back for his church. Amen. And the world will say, ha, huh? you really believe that? And I say to them, ha, huh? you really believe there's people out here in iron suits way off walking around like, you know, like robots and living on another planet. You really believe that stuff? You know what I mean? Come on. And I rather believe my God and listen, this world didn't just get here. You know, they didn't have an explosion in a printing press and all of a sudden you got the Bible. You know, it didn't happen like that. And you didn't have something just exploded and all of a sudden you got a world that everything's balanced and you got people in there and the creatures and, and a frog a tadpole crawled out and hopped into a frog and a frog popped into a rabbit and a rabbit, you know, became a, uh, I don't know, a pig or I don't know how to describe it. And finally, here comes man. He comes walking like a monkey and then now he's no monkey no more, you know. And, you know, come on. Praise the Lord. God made us. And I thank you, Lord, that you did make us. And one day you're going to give us a glorified body like as under his glorified body because the book says that over and over and over. And those apostles died believing it. They died. They gave their life, praise the Lord, knowing that he had risen from the dead. They wouldn't have done that. Every one of them died as a martyr because they said, we saw him rise from the dead. He did rise from the dead. And if we die in the faith, we'll rise from the dead. We have no doubts about it. Praise the Lord. And let's just stand together and praise him and thank him here this morning. God bless you. You're a great audience. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for truth. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the gospel. Bless this church, this congregation, this service coming up, Lord. We praise you for all things and we magnify you. In Jesus' name, we praise you and God bless our singers and musicians as they come at this time.